Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Dr. Meg Mill on with us. She is a functional medicine practitioner, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. So I'm super excited to chat all things headaches with you today, Meg. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of know, since headaches are, you know, what your what your jam is and what you like to talk about, how did you get interested in headaches? Is that something that you suffered with, you know, growing up or how did that kind of enter your realm? Yeah. So I actually got into functional medicine in general because of some of my own health issues, but I am not a personal migraine sufferer. It, it actually came to me. It started that when I opened my practice in functional medicine, I was seeing people from, for all different reasons. And I still do. I have a virtual practice that people come in for a variety of health conditions. And what um, started happening was that I was getting women, I was attracting women with chronic headaches and migraines. And then in addition to that, what was also interesting to me was that even when they weren't coming to me for that reason, I do a very detailed intake questionnaire and symptom questionnaire when we start and we would dive in. And so many women were saying that even if that wasn't the main objective of coming, in the, that questionnaire that they were saying, well, I've had headaches my whole life. I suffer, you know, at least once a week from headaches. I, and I, it just really just created this, um, awareness from me, from how many people as particularly women are suffering from chronic headaches and in conventional medicine, we're just band-aiding it. And once we would work together through my approach, they would say, oh my gosh, I never thought that I would stop suffering. I thought this was just, you know, my life. I've been to so many different doctors trying this and they would see such a huge change. And I just really started to become passionate and dive more and more into this because I think it's something that's really just treated in a way, like we said, we're covering up rather than really getting the root cause that people don't have the headaches anymore. Yeah. So what are some, you know, common conventional treatments for headaches and, you know, why might not they be the best option? Like, you know, popping ibuprofen all the time. Exactly. Yes. Which can, can actually tear your gut lining, uh, you know, along with so many other health conditions. So we're, we're told in some ways like, oh, just cause it's over the counter, it's safe to use. And all of these medications have consequences. They're really just, you know, not necessarily safe for regular use. And we just think, okay, we can take this. This is fine. We're told it's fine, but it's actually having other health consequences that you're not thinking about. In addition to the fact that it's really not solving your problem. It's just, like covering up the symptoms, which exactly we don't want to be in pain. We don't want to have to experience that. So we take that, those things, but at the same time, we're not really getting to the root so that it goes away. I'd like to use this analogy when it comes to treating headaches in the conventional space. So if you took your car to a mechanic and you were saying it was making a noise and the mechanic walked away and went and grabbed a pair of earmuffs and handed you the earmuffs and your keys back, would you feel comfortable driving the car? And we'd all say, no way we wouldn't get in that car because there's something wrong. But that's sort of the way the general conventional treatment for headaches is right now. We're just covering up the pain and we're not getting really to the root. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. And I have actually I have a story about the ibuprofen. Um, that I thought I could share because my, my old boss actually did damage his gut immensely from popping ibuprofen like candy. And then he was eating poor diet and then stress from running a business. And then he ended up in the hospital. Doctors could not figure out what was wrong with them. Like he suddenly couldn't move and he was just like paralyzed in the bed in the hospital and everyone was trying to figure out what it was. And then it ended up, it was ibuprofen once they discovered like how often he was taking it. And so I've seen firsthand, like what it can do to you. And before then I was like, oh, wow, 
I would, you know, I used to pop an ibuprofen maybe once a week when I had headaches, but like after seeing him and like what happened to him, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's kind of like a horror story of like what, what these things can do to us. And I never even thought twice about it until witnessing that. Exactly. And we're not really told. We're just, it, like I said, just to feel like it's over the counter. It's safe to use, you know, go do this. It's, we're not really educated well on the fact that all drugs have side effects. So they're, they're life-saving in some situations, but they're not generally the best idea for the first choice. Yeah. And is there a difference? So if someone maybe just has kind of the chronic headache versus someone who has that migraine, you know, are you looking at those in two different um, realms as well? Or can people who get chronic headaches eventually migrate into migraine sufferer? Well, the actually the dynamics between an actual migraine and the uh, just a tension headache, let's say, are different. Um, so they have a little bit of a different um, like physiological onset. So you don't necessarily like just if you're going to get a, if you're someone who gets tension headaches regularly, necessarily like go into migraines, although you can have a different type of headache at any time, but the approach I use can actually work for both headaches and migraines, because what we're actually doing is kind of flipping it upside down and we're looking at your body as a whole. So we're really actually diving more into the connections of what's triggering you and really looking because either way, whether it's a tension headache or whether it's a migraine, there's so many connections in our body. You know, we're sometimes bucketed into like, okay, neurology and gastroenterology and gynecology and, you know, all the rheumatology and, and it's like separated, but really we're all, our body's connecting everything together. So when we're really looking at our nutrition, at our hormones, at our stress, at our environment, all of these things, when we put these connections together is when we see the magic happen of people really being able to be headache and migraine free. And is that something that, you know, when you're treating people, is this like a, an intake form that you're doing with them and then kind of going in depth with like, here are some lifestyle tips and here are some practices that you can maybe switch and nutrition, you know, choices to make. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So what we do before we meet the first time is we, I do have a, like a really detailed intake questionnaire that we go back through the whole history and then we do a symptom questionnaire and then we dive in to look at all of their unique triggers. So we know, so let's, let's start with food, for example. So we know that there are certain foods that are more common for people that have migraines as triggers. So we know foods like tyramine, for example, and that you can find that in some aged foods, wine have tyramine, things like that. Um, we know nitrates. Those are things that are in like hot dogs and bacon. MSG is a, a preservative in a lot of like um, boxed and canned foods. And, and so we know there are these different foods that are potentials, but then what becomes a little more complicated is there's also food sensitivities and a food sensitivity is unique to a person. So your body is responding to different foods, depending on all the dynamics that are going on within you. So we look to uncover some of those and make connections there. So it's about knowing some of the generalities and then really dialing it into the specific person and, and all the combinations to, and to make it even a little more complicated. I think that's where it is. Like it's an easy roadmap. When I work with people, we can figure it out, but there's different layers when it comes to, to food and headaches. So there's also this threshold dynamic. So sometimes people can have eat this food at one time and they're like, well, that's not a headache trigger for me because 
I eat that food and I don't get a headache, but then another time they could potentially eat that food in combination with another food. And then that food combination is enough to trigger them over that threshold to get the migraine or the headache. So it's really dialing into all those different things for each person um, to figure out where your unique triggers are. And then once you have them established, then it gets much easier to just live and really, you know, focus your diet around what's safe. And there's not, uh, it's not hugely restrictive. It's just more of investigating. Mm. Yeah. And is environment also play a factor? I know one of my soccer coaches, he used to get migraines and he, I think, you know, being out in the heat during soccer practice, like sometimes that would get to him and he'd have to leave practice. Is that something also that you see is where your environment is? Yeah, absolutely. The environment plays a huge role. And we look at those in some different buckets too. So we, you know, one, like you're saying, I think you're talking about like heat and pressure changes and things like that can affect people with headaches. We also know that certain heavy metals like lead and cadmium can also be headache triggers. So you want to make sure that you're not exposed to some of those chemicals. And, and it's interesting with some of those heavy metals, um, sometimes we can have them for a while in our body without expressing a toxicity to them. So like, for instance, lead something that you can be exposed to at a younger age. And then particularly for women as our bone health, it can be stored in the bones. And as our bone health changes, as we get hormonal changes, we can start to experience some of those symptoms a little bit later on in life that maybe was from an earlier exposure. So it's, it's interesting when you really dial in another thing is allergies. There's a strong connection with histamine and allergies and headaches too. So really making sure that you have a clean environment that's allergy free and looking into some of those things can make a big difference. Mm. Yeah. That's one, like my, I grew up on a farm and my dad will get migraines, but typically he knows his triggers and being out in the barns for too long in the pigs, which it's things horribly bad. And then in the, um, when he's like cleaning out corn from bins, like that, that one is a huge, the dust in there usually always gets him. And one of my other brothers has also discovered he has the same issue as my dad. None of the other ones, you know, me and my other two brothers, we don't, but I'm like, wow, that's just crazy. And they know my dad knows his like threshold. My brother hasn't quite figured that out and we'll go past it every time. And then we'll be out on the couch for two days because he has a migraine. But it's so interesting just to kind of see like how in tune, you know, my dad has become to, you know, oh, cause I think I brought, I don't know if it was what I brought, I brought some spices home with some, a meal that I made. And then the next day he had a headache. And so he was trying to figure out, I think the spices must've had something in there that he, it just did not sit well with him. And so all of those little things that you're kind of playing your own health detective in a way of figuring out, okay, what is, what are my triggers? And, you know, is that kind of what people are looking at when they're first starting to dive into this and discovering this whole like kind of layer of themselves? Absolutely. I do actually use those words. I say we become detectives of our own body because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to really become a detective of what's triggering you. And one of the things when it comes to environment that you can do, because like when you're saying with your dad, he knows that exactly those things can trigger him. Um, if you're having trouble and you're not able to identify putting an air filter in your bedroom can be helpful. So I say like, if you're going to pick a room, choose your bedroom. Cause we spend a lot of our time there. That's where we're rejuvenating. And, um, sometimes just really cleaning out the air in your bedroom can actually make a difference for some people too. Hmm. Is there any air filters that you recommend that are better than others? Cause there's so many to pick from. 
I know that. Yeah. And you know what? There's price points. So um, when I got them, I started with just a, a basic filtrate air system. Um, like you can get that at Lowe's or Walmart or anything. Um, now I have air doctors, which are like kind of the, the higher end, um, you know, but they're, they're an investment too. So I, I really love my air doctor, but it's, I think just really wherever you can get into it, I wouldn't say hold off and don't get one until you can get something like that. There's benefits along the way. Okay. Very cool. I'll make sure I put those in the show notes just because I think that will be, I mean, that's a great, I started there too with my, like in my office, my cat is in here and I try to open the windows up, but the litter is in here and I have my little filter in here because this room will get pretty strongly scented at times. And so I'm like, I need to filter this room out in particular so I can relate to that. Um, so I would love to know kind of in, you know, talking about, um, you know, kind of the hormones and women what are some tips around pregnancy then? So like, I know people who are pregnant, you know, sometimes suffer from, especially in that second trimester, all of a sudden we're like, Oh, I got through the first trimester and then boom, headaches hit, you know, why are some of those things happening? Yes. So headaches in pregnancy are really interesting because you can see different dynamics happen. So some women who are regular migraine sufferers who have suffered forever, actually when they're pregnant, their headaches go down. So we can have a hormonal shift that actually creates less headaches, or we can have the opposite where your headaches just skyrocket and you can get more headaches. And so whenever the two most common, and, and some of that actually with pregnancy in, in particular has to do with prolactin. Um, and prolactin is a, a hormone, like we know that changes with pregnancy with nursing and prolactin can also um, increase pain sensitivity. So that is another thing that you can feel pain sometimes more when your when your levels of prolactin change. But when it comes to headaches and hormones, the most common, the two most common reasons. Now it's not always the case for every person, but the two most common reasons that you get headaches, the hormonal headaches. And, and even for women in general, if you're getting them like ovulation, if you're getting them um, right before your period, you um, want to think of estrogen dominance and a rapid change in hormones. So sometimes when we're having this like rapid change, um, then we, that can cause the headache. So really looking at things and, you know, I always with listeners on podcasts, want to give you tips that you can do right now. So one of the things that you can just do, whether you're pre you know, whether you're pregnant or not, but this is actually a great thing to do just in general for your health when you're pregnant is really just start looking at your environment and your xenoestrogens. So we have these um, xenoestrogens that we're exposed to from all different places in life. And, and they're in our products, you know, they're in our makeup and our cleaning products and the, in our containers and all these places that are actually giving us more estrogen it's called exogenously it's out of our body. And so when we're getting this estrogen bombardment, that can just be another layer that's really creating this hormone dysregulation. So just changing some of those things that, you know, and I do tell people it, it can be expensive. So I just say, just switch one bottle at a time, you know, just take the next product that you're going to you know, buy that next face wash, that next, you know, foundation, and just look for something that's, that's a clean product that, you know, that you really aren't as, is having as much exposure. The other thing is in your kitchen, um, a big one is BPA and that's in our plastic containers. So really just switching your plastic containers over to glass, because 
when you put that plastic in the microwave or the dishwasher and you're heating it, it's leaching. And so it can be like leaching into your food. So you could be getting this BPA in the food you eat without really even making that connection. So that's just a simple one that can make a big difference. Yeah. And what happens like growing up, maybe your you know parents reheated everything in plastic containers. Is that something that you might be able to seeing in your body 10 years later, or, you know, how does that kind of work? If you kind of want to like, oh, I grew up out of plastic containers. I don't need more. How do you kind of get rid of that? Yeah. So, I mean, our body's meant to process toxins. So it, it would be more like that. I don't know that there would be like a toxic buildup of this BPA from childhood We're we're designed to be able to process things out. But what we want to do is, you know, just optimize that. So our, our total exposure is called an exposome. We, that's like a nickname people use that, um, that it's all of the exposures and, and we all process them differently. So like if you and I are exposed to the same level of things, I may be fine. I may be processing it, it might not bother me, but you may have some genetic variations that make it a little bit more difficult for you to detoxify things. And so you're getting migraines, you're getting different symptoms that are affecting you because of that factor. So what, what the key there is to, um, bring down all of those exposures and optimize our ability to process things out. Mm, that makes sense. I'm thinking of like Ayurveda is like, oh yes, pittas tend to be the ones who can, you know, regurgitate and spit things out, whereas vata might get stuck. So makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I would love to know kind of stress, because I know that's also a pillar where a lot of people suffer from stress and then sometimes headaches come from that as well. Um, what are some tips that you have around people with managing stress to help reduce those headaches? Yeah. I like to I call this the chain of pain because it's interesting. We have all these stresses in our life, but actually the pain from headaches can also be a stressor. So, you know, when we think of stress, we often think of it as our to-do list, everything we have going on, which we all have a lot of, but actually pain is a, in, um, there's physiological stressors. So your body can identify those physiological stressors as increasing cortisol, your body's responding to that. So what we really need to do is get you out of this chain of pain. So, um, excuse me, um, we need to really just break the cycle. So I I mentioned that when we're our cortisol, so our cortisol is our stress hormone and that goes, that can go up when we're, when we're experiencing levels of stress. And then that can increase that prolactin that I was talking about that can also increase your sensitivity to pain. So, um, we just really want to do things that are bringing you back in that parasympathetic. We have a parasympathetic nervous system and a sympathetic nervous system. And we want to take, you know, do things that bring us back there. And even your breath can bring you back into that parasympathetic nervous system. So even just taking a few minutes out of the day, stop, take some deep breaths, you know, really do that, like a box breathing or something that's really that vagal breathing that brings you back down can help just sort of start to break that stress cycle. And it's individual. Everyone has different things that resonate. I mean, sometimes people are like, okay, you have to meditate or you have to, you know, do this or that, or, but really, it's really the things that are going to bring you back into that calming place that are really resonate with you and get you back in that parasympathetic nervous system so that we can bring your cortisol levels down so that we can stop, you know, this chain of pain happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause that's, I mean, once you start kind of that stress and then you get the headaches and the anxiety and then all, you know, we're just living up here instead of grounding it back down and grounding again, the Vata Dosha for the Ayurveda side of things. But yeah, that's, 
I mean, that's huge. That's what I've seen a lot of, especially as we're, you know, as we're recording this, we're kind of sliding into that fall season, which is the time where things can get, you know, airy and ungrounded. So yeah, yeah, I love that. I know. And it's hard to make those changes. Stress is there. So it's really about, um, our body responds to our perceived stress. So it's responding to the way we feel about the stress. So really getting your mindset Mm -hmm. around, you know, just being able to deal with what you have. Again, we all have a lot going on, but really being able to, you know, really work at seeing yourself in a calm place at bringing yourself back to, you know, back to grounding and doing things that get you calm so that you can keep going and not feel the burden of the stress on your body. Yeah. What about like seasonal shifts? Is that something that you notice people maybe struggle with, with headaches or even hormones is, does that, do you notice anything like that in your practice? Yeah, different. Well, you know, we're saying like environmental pressures, different things. And, and actually, you know, even back to kind of like seasonal kind of comes in with the environment and even different allergens come out at different, in different seasons. And even, um, you know, when we're talking about stress, like another thing that, that is going on with our, you know, stress cycle, we have this relationship with cortisol and melatonin. And, um, we want our cortisol to go up in the daytime. That's, that is like our stress hormone, but also gives us energy. It does things to our body. We want that to be up in the day. We want our melatonin to be down in the day. And then we want the, um, cortisol to be rock bottom and the melatonin to be high. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because sleep, um, and, you know, with season changes and light and dark and different things, the way people sleep, that can actually also be an independent uh, trigger for migraines or people when they're not getting enough sleep. So that's just an interesting thing that kind of goes along with it. And just really taking a look in the mirror and seeing how you're sleeping and are you sleeping in a cool, dark, quiet place? Are you really getting that deep sleep? Because I think that's something that we can with the stress, just think, oh, I sleep or, oh, uh, you know, like you were saying with like the little kids, you know, maybe you're saying, I want to get a couple more things done after my kids are in bed, or I want to, you know, get some things done at night. But sometimes then we're not getting the sleep we need to really rejuvenate our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's one that I know if I don't get enough sleep, that's one that will cause me headaches that next day. And, you know, it is one that when you're looking at all the pillars, you know, it can be kind of overwhelming of like playing your own detective. Cause you're like, Oh, is it the sleep? Is it the food? You know, what food? Oh, you know, did I go out in a new environment? You know, is it the seasonal shift? Um, and is that kind of within your practice? Is that something that you help people narrow down? So they don't feel maybe overwhelmed by, I don't know where to start. Absolutely. We have a clear roadmap. So (laughs) that's the thing, you know, we have like clear road. So it takes all of that overwhelm and all of that guesswork and everything gives, you know, we work on doing it in a a clear, easy, actionable fashion that really helps you to dial in and have it not feel overwhelming. Cause I agree. It can feel overwhelming with all these different factors. And the one other thing I want to tell people that they can, cause I like to give, like I said, tips that people can just do what you can start to do though is just um, print out a blank calendar and then write down like what you ate that day and the day before, if you are like where you are in your cycle, if you did like did have a night where you didn't sleep at all, all of those things. And when you start to look at patterns, you can start to see some of those things. Like you were saying with your dad starting to be able to identify. And it, it can be enlightening where people are like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that every time I ate this, that I would have the headache or different things come up that really can help you get started. Mm, Yes. And then, you know, one kind of question that just popped into my head um, about hormones in particular and women 
who might be entering maybe the perimenopause and menopausal year, is that a time where maybe headaches flare up? Because again, hormones are kind of doing their own thing at that point. Absolutely. We can see a lot more headaches, particularly in the perimenopause, because what happens is when I talked about that estrogen dominance, um, sometimes, you know, there's different reasons you have estrogen dominance and, and sometimes you have just high levels of estrogen or you're not processing estrogen out of your body. But another reason that we can have estrogen dominance is actually low progesterone because we want a nice, healthy balance between estrogen and progesterone. When we enter perimenopause, we start to get a decrease in, in um, progesterone before we start to get the decrease in estrogen. So in that plate, and then estrogen kind of goes spurts and then goes down and then up and down. And so with this dysregulation, first of all, with the lower progesterone levels, and then the change in estrogen kind of as our body's going through that process can be a time where we really need to, you know, really get those hormones in check. So we're not getting the migraines. They don't tend to be as strong once you hit menopause, because then all the, all the hormones are down, like, well, the estrogen and progesterone are down and there's not this, this dysregulation as much after that it's more consistent, but the perimenopause can be a big time. That's a trigger. Okay. Yeah. I have a few clients who are in that and they were really struggling with just the hormones kind of being all over. And so I think that will be helpful just to kind of have like, okay, there is data behind this. It's not, you know, cause sometimes I think like, they're like, I'm going crazy. Like you just feel like you're alone on an Island in that phase. And so I'm like, no, there's, there's help there for you. Absolutely. No, there is. And that's a good key to really when you're, you know, doing this work with the headaches is really getting those hormones balanced. So I always say that's a great side effect too. Like not only fixing your headaches, but we're also getting the horn the hormones on track too, which can make a huge difference in the way you feel. Oh yeah. For so many ways, not just the headaches, you got the other Absolutely. issues that pop up. So I love that. Well, I know that you have a free guide for getting rid of headaches. Where can people kind of find that on your website? Yes. Yes. You can go to helpmyheadaches.com. So it's www.helpmyheadaches.com and you can download that guide and that gives you steps to get started right away. And I also am over on Instagram. I do post over there um, about different things within functional medicine and headaches. And I have a podcast called a little bit healthier. So I'm giving, there's some episodes directly on health, headaches and I'm giving some just health, health tips that you can do every day in your life to live a bit, little bit healthier. So um, any of those would be great resources, but definitely grab that guide. It's just helpmyheadaches.com. <laughs> Perfect. I will put that in the show notes. Well, I just have one final question for you. I always like to throw out a weekly challenge to the listeners and you've given us so many different tips to try. Um, but is there anything else that you would like us to kind of try as a challenge this week? One of the things also that we didn't get to when it comes to headaches is hydration. So hydration is another independent risk factor. Um, dehydration is an independent risk factor for migraines and headaches. And so I'd like to challenge you to try to drink half your body weight in water a day. Sometimes we don't get enough water, you know, it's especially when it's warmer, um, you know, out there, we need more water intake. So if you can just try to get water in your day, have a bo water bottle or a glass of water sitting at your desk and sip through the day. So you really get that, uh, that cellular hydration. <laughs> that would be a great challenge. So let's see how you do. Po Actually, if you can do it, if you can get the hat, the water and tag me and <laughs> post that you did it, I'd love to hear. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. Especially as we, you know, when this airs, it's going to be kind of in that winter months. Oh, sometimes yeah, winter can true. be tricky. Yeah. Winter like we're, is it's because of the heat. Yeah. You're like, I'm not thirsty as often, but we still need to make sure we're drinking. So that's a good mm -hmm. tip. 
Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, it's been a great pleasure, you know, getting to talk to you today, Meg, and sharing all your tips on headaches. I think it will help um, so many people who are battling headaches. And I know I got some great notes over here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>